Hello, I'm excited you found your way here. I'm your host, Ashley Rennick, and you're listening to Waldorfy. In each episode, I explore and explain Waldorf education and its anthroposophical roots. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Ashley Rennick, and I'm so happy you're listening in. In this second part of my exploration of what is Waldorf education, I'll be speaking with Hugh Rennick, discussing the goals of Waldorf education and taking a closer look at the Waldorf curriculum. Let me introduce to you Hugh, who also happens to be my father-in-law. Hugh is a retired Waldorf teacher with 21 years of experience as a class teacher, seven years as a Waldorf high school teacher, and three years as a head administrator. He received his undergraduate degree in history from Stanford University and his master's degree in philosophy from the University of Toronto. He completed his Waldorf teacher training at the Green Meadow Waldorf School in New York and has also taught courses such as Introduction to Anthroposophy for the Center for Anthroposophy's Renewal Program and Introduction to Math and English for Elementary Grades for Antioch University's Summer Program. In his retirement, he enjoys playing guitar, learning Spanish, and spending time in Mexico. I'm so excited to have you with me today. It's wonderful to be here with you. So, shall we get started? The first question I have for you, we can dive right in, is how you would summarize in the simplest terms, what is Waldorf education? Well, let me describe for you what the four basic goals of Waldorf are. And it has to do with the powers of every child, powers or abilities that every child is born with that we want to develop and cultivate. And those four powers are, in order, a strong will, a rich feeling life, creative imagination, and conceptual thinking. Now, we don't cultivate those powers all at once and all together in first grade. They gradually develop in the growing child. The youngest child is a body of will, full of will impulses. And his creative imagination or conceptual thinking only emerges later in his life. So Waldorf education occurs in stages through the grades, of course, beginning with kindergarten. Let me describe for you a little bit the child who is very, very young. He's mainly conscious of his surroundings, hardly at all of his own body, except when he's ill or has fallen down and hurt himself. He seeks to engage in his surroundings through movements, through touching and holding things, playing with objects of all kinds. Next to awaken in the young child, already as early as the fourth year, and then blossoming through the elementary school years are his personal feelings. Feelings like being happy or sad, being fearful or contented, liking something or disliking it. Those feelings start to emerge strongly already at four or five, but then they really blossom in the elementary school grades, as well as his creative imagination. What is that? That's the ability to picture things in your mind, things that you can then bring to life around you, to invent stories and play scenarios. And lastly, what awakens in the child beginning around age of 12 
is his capacity for conceptual thinking. That deals with ideas and ideals for understanding oneself and the world. So as you can see with these gradual developments, um, the teaching has to be geared towards each of them in turn. Well, let me describe then what it's like in a preschool, a Waldorf kindergarten. Perfect. What do kids do? Well, they have lots of time for free play. Of course, there's the guidance of teachers with them, usually two teachers in every Waldorf classroom, kindergarten. A lot of the playing ideally happens outside in nature. There are nature walks every day. Free play in the classroom with toys, natural toys made of wood, or cloth, whatever it may be, um, that the children engage themselves with, on their own, with one another. Then there are simple tasks that the children learn to do, like cooking and baking, cleaning up, straightening things out and away, finger knitting, and others besides. There's a time for story, a time for movement exercises with the teacher, a time to eat a meal together, beginning with a grace, and a little conversation during the meal about what's been happening. That's the day in the kindergarten. Let's move on to the elementary grades. What goes on there? Well, you know, there are really three stages to elementary school education. Grades one through three, then grades four and five, and the third stage, grades six, seven, and eight. Well, what happens in each of these? Well, in the first three years, we're trying to engage the child's imagination in learning the three R's. You all remember what those were. Hmm. Writing, reading, reading. <laughs> and arithmetic. How is this done to the young child? It's all done through stories. Stories by means of which children learn the alphabet forms and sounds, the spelling of words, the writing of sentences and simple tales, and the learning of numbers and their four operations. Adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing. These stories that the teacher will tell but not read. He'll tell them, or she'll tell them, drawn from fairy tales, fables, and legends especially in grades one and two, with the addition of appropriate Bible stories in the third grade, which involve moral discernment and understanding. The goal in telling these stories, not only to develop these skills of writing, reading, and arithmetic, is to help the child develop his creative imagination. What does a child do when he hears a story? He tries to picture inwardly the events and happenings in that story, to form pictures in his mind of them, and to grasp the significance of what those pictures mean. This is something that children want to do naturally at this age, and they need the input to be able to do it, coming from adults. So we tell lots of stories. And teachers try to do this with a range of feeling and expression. So the children also can begin to feel a range of feelings in their responses. The second stage of Waldorf education at the elementary level is in the fourth and fifth grade. 
And the goals here are actually, simply put, to be a mastery of neat cursive writing, competent reading skills, and ability at all kinds of arithmetic calculation using the four processes that I described. Again, all of this is done through stories. You see, the children hear these stories, and then they set to repeating them back to the teacher in discussions, and then writing simple sentences about them, finally illustrating pictures from the stories. And these stories are drawn at this age from the Norse and Greek myths. The children are set to summarizing the stories briefly, and then to illustrate them in books. What are these books? This is another unique feature of Waldorf education, that children make their own books each year from each of the subjects they're being taught. There's a book for arithmetic, there's a book for stories from the mythologies that they're learning. There's a book for nature studies as well. They make them by writing summaries and drawing pictures in them. And by the end of the year, they have several books, even in the first grade, but all the way through the eight grades of the elementary school and into high school. Less emphasis on textbooks, far less emphasis in a Waldorf school. They're most useful in teaching skills, arithmetic skills, and in English grammar, things of that sort. But as far as history is concerned and literature, all of that comes through the teacher. So the teacher is not just a facilitator referring to a textbook or referring to exercises that have been handed out on worksheets. The teacher is a fount of knowledge himself, sharing it with the children. Everything they learn, they learn through the human voice. And that's so important at this age. It brings everything to life. A textbook, unfortunately, does not do that. Yeah, I have a, a memory, or I guess I could say a, a personal anecdote to speak to the stories and learning through the stories uh, being a kid. I was very imaginative, kindergarten, first grade, second grade. I mean, my eyes were always out the window looking at what was going on outside. And I feel that the stories really gave me a context to be able to understand the information that was appropriate for the age that I was at. Mm -hmm. So they brought your intention from the out of doors to the window? Yeah, or my into focus a, into the story and mm -hmm. made me really engaged because yes. it was a human there speaking to me and expressing and seeing uh, the teacher's feeling or emotion even in the story that they were telling really mm -hmm. brought me in in a way that was mm -hmm. able to hold my focus mm -hmm. uh, when that was really challenging for mm -hmm. me when I was little. Of course, the way the teacher tells stories has to change through the years he can become more and more dramatic. In the early grades, first and second grade, the, teaching, the telling of stories has to be much calmer. Yeah. So as not to frighten children. Right. But by the time you're telling a, more, a Norse or a Greek myth, you can, 
you can be an actor on a stage and go through all sorts of emotions and feelings with the children and they will appreciate that. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I, I think I do have a memory as well, probably from grades four or five, where there would be something with a clap or a, mm-hmm. a throwing of something and the teacher would be really dynamic. And you can imagine, uh, you know, 10 or 11 year olds sitting at their desk kind of, you know, early you know, in between eight and 10 in the morning, a little bit maybe dozing off or not dozing off, but, you know, losing attention. And then that brings Mm -hmm. them right back in Mm -hmm. and the focus comes right back to what they're talking about because Mm -hmm. it's living and because it's right in front of them happening in the moment. It's very engaging. So what happens after, uh, so you discussed fourth and fifth grade. So is the next stage six through eight? That's right. The third stage of elementary school education, grade six through eight. During this period, the power of intellect gradually awakens in children. So the subjects that can come now are the sciences, Um, which is to say that in fourth and fifth grade already the study of science has begun with nature studies of the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom, because children can relate, first of all, in the scientific sphere to animals and to plants much more easily than they can to physics and chemistry experiments. So in the fourth and fifth grade, just to finish that up, We study the animal kingdom and we study the plant kingdom. And I think the special approach of the Waldorf schools is that everything in that regard, animals or plants, is always described in relation to the human being, in relation to our form as human beings and our capacities. So let's go back to the sixth through eighth grades. We're trying to awaken in children their intellectual capacities. So we begin with sciences like chemistry, physiology, and physics. These are introduced through demonstrations and experiments, which students are expected to observe carefully, then describe in writing, and make illustrations of in their books. The curriculum also includes more advanced arithmetic and introduction to algebra and geometry, English grammar, vocabulary development, and Western history from the time of the Romans through the Middle Ages to the beginning of modern times with the industrial French and American revolutions. It's taught largely through stories again, from the biographies of important personalities to encourage reflection about their deeds and accomplishments, both positive and negative. Children are really interested in the negative ones as well as the positive. And this makes everything more personal for them. Again, it's not a question of reading textbooks. It's a question of hearing stories from the teacher and talking about them afterwards, and then writing about them. If I were telling you in the seventh grade about the exploits of Joan of Arc, I would tell you her whole life story, and then we would write some aspect of it. I'd ask you to write some part of that story that meant something to you, and to draw and paint from that story and then share it with the class. It would also go into your book Mm -hmm. as a record that you will take with you. And I remember in my seventh grade, we did Joan of Arc as a play. Uh Uh-huh. So plays, plays are very useful vehicles for learning. Develops a strength of presence in the children to stand on the stage. Even, well, in first grade and second grade, they will do it as a whole group and not have individual parts. But the individual parts are introduced from third grade onwards. And children all have the challenge of being a character on a stage and speaking their lines from memory. Mm-hmm. 
And this plays become more and more complicated through the grades. By eighth grade, it's very likely that you'll be doing play from Shakespeare. This ends the period, the middle period of education in, in a Waldorf school, the so-called elementary grades or the middle school grades, through which children are introduced not only to the subjects that I have mentioned, but also to two foreign languages. They learn to draw and paint and do handwork and woodwork appropriate for each grade level. They also take classes in eurythmy, which is a form of dance. Perhaps you'll be describing that in another session. They learn games and sports. Always, through all of this, there is an emphasis in cultivating imagination and caring for self and others. So what about the high school? Let me just mention a few things about high school education, grades 9 through 12. In those grades, we use the same format in presenting subjects. We call it the main lesson. All the subjects, with the exception of those that involve practice over and practice in math and English, all the subjects are taught in three to four week blocks a period in the morning, which consists actually of two periods back to back, about one and a half to two hours in length, beginning at 8.30 to 10.30, say, followed by recess. So this is called the main lesson. We use that format from first grade all the way through 12th grade. Now, a subject, if we're in high school, like history, for example, will last for four weeks and it will focus on a period of history. And then it will be dropped and will go on to a science or some other subject. Well, what's the reason for doing this? Why don't we teach, as is traditionally done in public schools, French or German or physics or chemistry or history in 40-minute periods, once, twice, or three times a week for the whole year? Why don't we do that? Well, we do some things like that, things that involve the development of skills in math and English. But for the rest of the subjects in the sciences and humanities, we use this block form format. For four, four weeks, we concentrate for two hours every day on this subject. There's homework assigned. There's something that be handed in at the end in a book. And then it's dropped. And there's a kind of sigh of relief in the class. Great, we can go on to something different and not focus on this because it's been so intense. Yeah. And so the subject is dropped and only taken up later in the year. So is it all forgotten? Well, yes, it is forgotten for a little while, but not completely. Because when the history block or science block is taken up again later in the year, there's a review and we see what we can remember. And then we take the subject further and more deeper. So in this way, there is variety through the course of a year, different subjects, and this keeps the student's interest alive. So the curriculum includes history, literature, math, and sciences in each of the four high school years. And this approach differs, as I have described to you, from normal or other schools. Following this morning block class, there are four more periods each day in the high school devoted to the foreign language study and to the arts, arts like drawing and painting, weaving, clay modeling, batik, 
as well as ongoing practice in English and math skills. At this high school level, the cultivation and strengthening of thinking and creative imagination and the will to do one's best are of primary importance, powers which will serve the student whatever path they choose to follow in the future. I just want to say a couple more things about testing, for example. Waldorf schools do not use tests or exams until the middle school. And we use them at that point onwards through high school in order to help assess a student's progress in knowledge. All the way through the grades, however, teachers will review material covered in each block of study, asking questions and leading discussions about the subject. Only from grade seven onwards will this review be followed by a written test to assess the student's ability to remember the material. In most Waldorf schools, teachers' reports are sent home twice a year to summarize students' progress and understanding. Only in high schools are grades given for each subject as a helpful assessment tool for colleges and other institutions. Why are tests avoided up through sixth grade? It's because teachers can easily assess a child's progress from their day-to-day -day experiences without having to cause stress and fear, which can interfere with a child's joy in learning. Teachers will be able to describe in their written reports and conversations with parents how the child is progressing and developing their four powers. What, again, are the four powers we're trying to cultivate through all of this? A strong will, rich feeling, creative imagination, and clear thinking. And those things, in the end, they cannot be quantified on a test or explained fully by a grade. And yet those four powers are the most important things in learning for each child. And That's... there we have a bit of a summary. The teacher stays with the class in the elementary grades for as many grades as possible. Teachers have an overview of the child's development, which you don't necessarily have if you only teach third grade over and over again. This is called looping, grade. right? It's called looping, yes. And the loop is usually at least five grades, and sometimes the whole eight Yeah. for teachers in Waldorf schools today. Originally, Rudolf Steiner's intention was the loop should be eight grades. But that's not really possible for a lot of people today. So anyway, because the teacher has this overall view of the child's development through the years, he can say things like, don't worry, by the end of fourth grade, things will be fine. What would, you, what would be a way you would suggest for parents if they were interested in implementing something Waldorf in their home right away? What could they do today that would be kind of inspired by Waldorf education that they could bring into their home? Can you think of anything that would be a useful or something they could approach right away? Well, of course, it depends on the age of the child. Oh, of course. But I think a range of appropriate toys to play with and having friends over to play and putting away the TV, maybe having TV only on a special time, like right for a very young child, right after nap, you can have 20 minutes on the television to watch an appropriate show. Yeah. The more a child can play and do even um, activities that a parent can guide through the arts would be the best. Yeah. And lots of time outside. Yeah. 
more time outside is good for everybody. Mm -hmm. My husband, the wisest thing, your son, the wisest thing he's ever said to me is time outside is never wasted. <laughs> I love that. That's a, my son said that. Yes, he did. <laughs> he's so, he's so wise. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing all this wonderful info. I think we've got a lot of, a lot of uh, good stuff to think of. Is there any, are there any other resources you wanted to mention, books you've really liked or ways that parents can approach uh, Waldorf education? I think the single best book as an introduction to Waldorf education was written by A.C. Harwood, a Waldorf educator in Great Britain. It's called The Recovery of Man in Childhood. I'm sure it's still in print, and you can get it probably through the Waldorf books at OSNA. OSNA is the Association of Waldorf Schools in North America. That's great. I will look, I can link to it probably through a Waldorf bookstore online, but I will, what I will try to do is link to it through Amazon. So maybe mm -hmm. parents can click right off and, and purchase it off on Amazon through our site. So thank you again so much for joining me. You're welcome. Thanks everybody so much for listening in. I've got lots more interesting content planned for you in this season of episodes, Waldorf Basics. I'm really enjoying the process of bringing this information to you in this medium, but this podcasting thing is totally new to me and you can help me tremendously with your feedback. I would love to hear from you about this episode or any of my content. You can always send me a message at info.waldorfy at gmail.com or leave a comment on the show notes page for this episode. I would also really appreciate it if you left a review of Waldorfy in iTunes and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can find lots more information at waldorfy.com, and I hope you'll connect with me on social media at bwaldorfy. I'm active on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again for listening in, everybody. Be well. <laughs>